Amen, New Life family. Amen. So good to see everybody. And I am certainly looking forward to getting this burden off of me and into your care. Amen. I, um, I've come to realize that the prince of darkness and death is a liar. He's a liar. And what's so life-changing for me about that is uh, I found out even after the Lord found me and started working on me that this prince of darkness and death lied to me some more. And I'm needing to address those lies so we can dissipate all of his influence. And the Lord don't want us spending a lot of time focused on him. He wants us to focus on Jesus himself. He wants us to focus on life and light. Amen. Hope and peace and joy, identity, his kingdom. Amen. And when I focus on him, these lies come to light. <laughs> the more I host him, the more these lies are manifesting. It's like easy to get rid of them. Not a problem because what I'm experiencing in, him, in God don't compare to what the lie had been doing to me. <laughs> so we've all been, we found out last week, we've all been influenced by manipulation and control. We've all done it. Amen. You don't have to say amen. I understand. I feel you. But it's real. And uh, our flesh, what is our flesh when you think about it? It's not our enemy, but the enemy knows how to utilize our flesh because our flesh has five senses to it. And these five senses can influence our will. Our personal will, because I told the life changer today, you know what? I could eat a cheeseburger for breakfast. I like them so much. That ain't the best thing for me, but I sure like it. That being said, addressing the lies in our lives that are that get into our will. We're talking about God's will versus my will. God's will versus my will. And that's real, y'all, because our soul, will, our will, mind, and emotion has been influenced by an enemy that come in through our five senses and put us in prison. That's real. I, I wore this. My wife helped me because I didn't know how to do it. I wore this God is in control shirt. Now, there's one thing I found out about God. He won't control anybody. He won't dominate anybody. Amen. He just won't do it. But he would love for us to trust him with being in control, being in charge. He would, he, that, would, that would just make his day because he knows what he has for us is much better than what we can get when we're in charge. He knows he can blow our mind. So everything he has, he's already set it up so it's ours. 
is for the taking. Everybody in this room, God wants to blow your mind and take care of everything you're going through, every, every sickness, every disease, every financial challenge, every broken relationship. He's like, will you let me? I will, but will you let me? And the beautiful thing about the presence of God is he's, he's here right now. And uh, it's, there's more to it than just feeling him. Amen. You see, we, we have a, a subconscious as well. We have a state of mind in four levels, according to science. Amen. You, you, you have the beta level, which most of us will stay in and stay in jail most of the time, beat up with all kinds of challenges and frustrations and anxieties. But then you have the alpha state of mind and the theta state of mind and then the delta state of mind. And, and the enemy knows that we are powerful and that God is drawing us into deeper places and higher levels of him, amen, and, 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 and getting delivered of our personal will so that the will of God can flow and ebb through us is top tier. Well, the enemy knows that, and he, he will invite you, without you even knowing it's an invitation, through your flesh. He will imprison you in your state of mind, and if you stay in the and the beta state of mind, you can just, you just go through life with all kind of feelings, jealousy and hatred and envy and strife. And, but then the enemy loves to play God. He likes for you to think he's Jesus, and he counterfeits what God does, amen. As Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, the other Jesus and his apostles, which are deceitful workers, Paul got straight, he went straight at it. And he, he said, I, I, I'm heavy for y'all, Corinthians. They've been boarding in. They were baptized in his name, filled with the Spirit. And Paul said, but you you, you got you to address the lies, Corinthians. you you got to let the Spirit that you were filled with take over. you got to give him charge. Give him control. And, and trust him. That's the greatest form of worship we can do for, for Jesus is trust him. And, but in our beta state of mind, we want to figure it out. It's all got to be logical. If I can't figure it out, it can't be God. And we stay broke financially, broke physically, broke, amen, spiritually, because we won't trust him. And, and I'm going to read a few passages today that will help you understand that Jesus is not concerned about death darkness, sickness, and all the things that freak us out in our relationships. He is not, he's concerned about you. He, he, he already beat that. Everything that we got heartburn over that's still hitting us and we're going to church. He ain't, that, that don't move him at all. What moves him is you because he's already given us the kingdom. And all he's asking is re, in return is our heart. He wants to take us all the way to Delta and beyond into God's kingdom until we're lost in him, consumed by him. Amen. Eat up with him on fire for him. I can't say nothing but what I hear him say. I won't do nothing but what I see him do. And I'm, I, I'm just, I am empowered. I'm fueled by that. I just can't. And, and you know how I get there? 
He's, he's, he's in every one of you. You have a part of him I don't have. And, and I've decided I'm, I'm going to keep submitting to him being in charge so I can get connected with the power that you have. And you, in, you be encouraged. I'm encouraged. And together we just get fitted, joined together, rooted, grounded, settled in the fact that there's only one on the throne and his name is Jesus. We get that. You know how we get it? By way of experience. You see, the going that God's asking from us is not that we go and save the world. He's going to save the world. He's the Messiah. He wants us to go based on the experiences that we have in him. Amen. These living experiences that we have in him, amen, we, we take that and let that become a testimony to everybody in our path, and we go therefore. And by way of living experience, I am who he says I am. Did y'all get that? And yet I can't tell you how I am this powerful. I can't tell you how I am this important to daddy. I'm having this experience that confirms I'm special. I still can't explain it because if I look back in the past, man, I messed up. And it ain't no possible hope for me, but this experience keeps reminding me from one level of his glory to the next, hmm, I don't make no junk, son. I know exactly what I'm doing, and I trusted you going through whatever it you've been going through. Whew. The Lord wants you to know he's, in, he's into you, and what's been unfair, the enemy's used to manipulate and control you and keep you in prison. And the Lord don't see it as unfair. He sees it, amen, as the process of becoming so that you can know him. I was beat up and he came. I was like that, uh, that, that person got beat up, amen, on the, on the road and the Samaritan came by. And come on, Jesus is talking about himself there. I was beat up, I was robbed, I was left in a bad situation, I'm almost dead, and he came and he just embraced me. And he took care of everything. And he put me up in the inn, the church, with an innkeeper, amen, powerful ministry. And they took care of me until I get on my feet, amen, and recognize how valid I am. And that that experience I just went through was for a purpose, to know that, oh, man, there is a God. Amen, that he does care. for Somebody needed to hear that today. I know I'm sitting on this side, y'all, but I'm, it's like the Lord says, I want everybody to know I see you and that you're so, so, so important to me right now. But he wants me to tell this group over here, there's some in this group that really needs to know he sees you. He really sees you. just need to hear it like two or three more times. You're that special to me. And he hasn't forgotten. And he's right there in the middle, amen, of what don't seem possible. I'll leave that up to daddy to work out. Amen. But we're in a, we're in a place right now where he won't dominate and he won't control any of us. But he will give us Amen. These living experiences, these, these utterances from the anointed one, that if we'll just entrust him. You know, Peter tried that one time, and he sunk a little bit. He got fishy smelling. 
But that experience changed his life forever. It impacted 11 other guys that didn't do it. And I'm sure they weren't talking about, man, I can't believe you think, and almost went down. No, they were talking about the fact, man, I saw you walking on that water. I, I, man, I, I probably would have went down quicker than you. You know, and we get honest with one another, and we begin to support one another on the spirit of manipulation and control that started in the garden and is still working today in our world and in our relationships and our homes. I'm going to read these two passages to you. To, it, it can say, it can, you've got a lot of respect for the Bible. It says it pretty quick. And then I can go ahead and give you some transparency on my part. It says here in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, reading from the passage, uh, Passion Translation, in every relationship, each of you must wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant. Because God resists you when you are proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you are humble. And by the way, you know, there's a false humility that we'll put on if we're not careful. But God knows how to help us. If we'll let him get in the mix, we can walk in true humility. How do we do that? If you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Amen. If, if we will bow low to his presence, amen, he will... He will exalt if you'll leave the timing in his hands. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him. There, there's where you address the lies. That's you, Anybody worried? Well, how, how did worry get there? How did, how did it qualify to get access into my spirit and into my thinking? And me, for me to demonstrate the presence of worry and stress. It was a lie there that I'm entertaining. And I need to address it. And I can't if truth don't come and help me. For he always tenderly cares. He tenderly, his presence is tender. He's meek and he's lowly. Learn of me. I, I can assist you. You, 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 you. You're wanting to deal with something you know that's not right in you, but apart from his presence, you can't get through it. But with him possibilities are staggering. Anything can happen now. So in John 11, there's this event going on, and uh, Lazarus is sick, and Jesus loved Lazarus. And Mary and Martha are the sisters, and they send a messenger to get Jesus' attention. The one that you love, Jesus, is sick. Please come quickly, right? How I many would have jumped up and went right then? Anybody? Well, that's got to be God. Does anybody ever try to rescue anybody? Let me ask you a pointed question. What if you're entertaining a lie trying to rescue somebody? Now, I, I told the life changer, I said, you know, I was part of rescuing a young, I was young myself, I was like 12 years old, and another 10-year-old or 11-year-old is drowning, and I got in there and and brought by almost drowned in the process because, man, he's about to take me under. He was so freaked out and so beat up by the fact that his life was on the edge that, uh, man, I was drinking water before I got him out of the water. 
Think about that for a minute. Jesus didn't rush to Lazarus. And I want you to pay attention to the next few verses on what happens here. When he heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus. Now, that don't sound correct, does it? But Jesus knows what he's talking about. It'll bring glory to, and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Then Jesus, in verse 11, added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time that I go and awake him. When they heard this, come on, this is how we think in the beta level of our state of mind. Lord, if he just fallen asleep, then he's getting better. <laughs> oh, because we're smart. And we know what good is and what evil is, right? Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. Then Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead. Well, you just told us he wasn't going to die. Which one is it, Lord? You see how that he's trying to get us to pay attention. And for your sakes, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. It's like, okay, what are you saying now? Because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go see him. Woo. <laughs> Has the Lord ever done anything in your little world where he basically was saying, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there, but he was there. I'm glad for your sake that I didn't change that dynamic so you would experience it. Why? Because I want you to have every opportunity to find out who I am. Now, this revelation goes a little bit deeper than that, y'all. When you find out who he is, you find out who you are. And only then can you go and be. The miracle worker's in the house. He's been here. All, everybody's got a sickness. Everybody's got a disease. Everybody's got a financial issue. Everybody's got a relationship problem. Or bro he could take care of it years ago. He'd been wanting to take care of it way more than we want to. And we think, and we, man, I, I prayed. I told the Lord I wanted him to fix it. You see, you're not getting this deal. That's not what he's asking us to pray for. He's asking us to pray for something else. And that just automatically happens. Y'all catching this? It's those things that we have in our life that are the fruit of the lies that we entertain. We have been manipulated and controlled by religious spirits that's got us in the situation we're in. And the Lord's okay with it. It's like, cool, you finna find out who I am. This will catch on here in a minute. You see, my will versus God's will. And in my will, I have an idea who God is. 
Did you know my idea of God is skewed? That I really don't know who he is? And I experience him. He talks to me. He's done things through me. He's always giving me good stuff. And I still have an image of him that's really not him. And he has to tear it down regularly so that I can know more about him. Is that tracking? My will versus his will. So I have all these religious ideas that I think are correct that has skewed my way of seeing him and his kingdom. Therefore, going is kind of frustrating to me because it requires certain things. What are we talking about? I've got to go do for God. No, 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 he wants you to be. See, that's the problem. You can't do anything to justify being righteous. You can't do anything. The doing is being. Amen. And he says, now, when I ask you to be for me, it's not apart from experiencing me prior to you being. Being comes out of experiencing God on the level that you're designed to experience him. For that to happen, he needs my heart. And to get my heart, I need to be willing to open up my heart to him and experience him so he can reveal the lies. So. The disciples, had they got that news that Lazarus was sick, in their thinking, their religious ideas, they never heard this before. They never experienced Jesus on this level. And their thinking was, if you get asked, you go. And then somebody comes and says, man, my brother is sick, and I need you to come pray. That's, you, you just go. And I'm just telling you here, God didn't call us to rescue anybody. He, 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 he won't let us take the credit for it, y'all. He won't let us pin a badge on ourselves that we've been a good person. But he'll let us find out who we are, and guess who we pin the badge on? The one we're in, him. Oh, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. You don't do church no more. You are the church now. Ah. <sighs> You have, been, you have been revealed by God to his body, his son. That's why when Jesus came, Jesus was God in flesh. And he demonstrated to everybody, amen, that was around him. We can read about it today and see that demonstration, that example of what he's expecting from the first man, Adam. The second man, Adam, Jesus Christ, manifested. And he's doing this in this passage to show them who they are. Oh, yeah. The enemy wants you to, after I read this next few passages, he wants you to get so excited about Jesus being great and, wow, we serve a wonderful God. And that's true. He wants you to miss the revelation of who you are. And I had, I'm obeying the Spirit right now, holding long enough for you to, Make up in your mind your yesteryears and, and the times you've read this passage. I'm not going to let that, the way I read it then, hold me captive. I want to read it from how the Spirit wants to reveal it to me now. Amen? And so, he tells them, I'm glad for your sake I wasn't there. 
verse 20 and 26 through 26. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, my Lord, if you had been, if you'd come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know. Come on, our, our religion, we got it figured out. Let me, I got that, Jesus, I know that. Amen, he will rise with everybody else on resurrection day. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection. I am life eternal. Why is he saying it like that? Martha, I want you to hear me. I'm talking to you, Martha. If you'll trust me, you can be in me, and that's who you are. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Hold it, Pastor. Hold it now. I got my Christianity on right now. Christians are dying, and they believe in Jesus. You missed the point. It's appointed unto man to lay down this earthly temple that's corruptible and put on an incorruptible temple. Amen? Uh, if, we, if we catch this and get into the spirit and realize that heaven's already come to earth and that Jesus has been walking all over this earth in spirit and in truth for 2,000 years and that the church and its power depends on Jesus being the husband to the bride so that children can be born. Is there people being born again today? Everybody agree? Well, then when did the marriage happen? Because it's got to be a marriage covenant if there's children being born. And the enemy wants to put that, that idea off into the future, but it happened 2,000 years ago. Yeah, the intimate relationship between Jesus and his bride happened in Acts chapter 2. And it went from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. His bride is giving birth all over the earth. People are being born again because Jesus is in covenant with his bride. And right now, in the beta state of mind, we want to we think of God from this level in logic, and it will beat you up and put you in jail. But when you let him get into the belly of your being, where his throne is, wow begins to happen. You can't explain nothing, and you don't have to. Ladies and gentlemen, I keep coming back to this so you can catch this. Right where you're sitting, you can be filled with an experience of God that will change you forever right where you're sitting. But you got to make a conscious decision to open up your heart. And the state of mind that you're in is critical to your heart opening so that he can come in. The enemy is taking people on journeys into their different state of mind levels right now and manipulating and controlling them and making them think it's God. 
And they're having wonderful testimonies of financial blessing. And, and it's all about luxury and whatever I want, feel good, do it. Amen. The enemy's manipulating people to go into spiritual levels where, amen, they, they, they can know an answer before you even ask the question. That's how powerful pe- every one of you are. But when you start experiencing God on a level, amen, that brings peace and joy, why do you have to understand it? If all of a sudden the experience of God breaks the doubt, breaks the guilt, breaks the shame, breaks the sickness, breaks the, amen, the the lie that's holding that relationship captive, if an experience with God actually does, why do I need to understand it? Why? Because I haven't opened that door yet. When I open the door and let him come in and sup with me, I move out of the logical state of mind. I don't need it no more. I've got what I need. Now I'm able to step into the thing that pleases God. What pleases God, preacher? Faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the utterance of the anointed one that's in the belly. Ah, I, him, I, I can't explain it, but this is what I know right now, and I repeat it, I say it, and I can't help but go with it. And because of the dynamics of God's kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, hear me. Hear me, I got a few minutes here. I'm going to forget the rest of that. I feel feel better here. Amen. You and I have been given from God. Amen. The, uh, The title of his most precious treasure, the apple of his eye. All of his creation is watching him go pitter-patter over you. And he's so confident and comfortable with the fact that he trusts you where you are, that you're going to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you're going to realize that at a specific moment in time, here it is, Lord, I don't know what else to do with you. Just take me. <laughs> and and he finally gonna be able to pick his baby up and embrace them. And then give them everything that's been there since they've been breathing before they were born the first time. And you're gonna, and this this the beautiful thing about it is you're not gonna be mad about the fact that you missed out for how many years. You're going to be thankful that he trusted you and didn't stop being with you until you finally broke, amen, and decided to lay your will down so that his will could take over. And you're going to be so grateful because of what you're experiencing in the moment, all that pain yesterday don't really matter because of what I'm having right now. Oh. Now I know. I don't, I don't logically understand, but I know. And you can't take it from me. I've experienced him on a level you can't take from me. You can nail me to a, 
a cross and crucify me. You can't take it from me. I got it. You got it when you get it. Amen? And so it's so critical that we catch this or our will will keep us in jail while we're going to church. And we'll be satisfied with our beta state of mind thinking, well, I went to church. I felt God. And, you know, I don't know why I need to feel God like I do, but I'm going to be there next Sunday too so I can feel God. And it's ritualism. And Jesus is not okay with it. But he ain't stopping. He's long-suffering. He's passionate. He's going to keep reaching and knocking on the door until we open it. Amen? So, hosting the presence of God requires two things. It requires that I break my will, number one. I'm going to need Jesus to help me there, though. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to do that. And the reason you lay your burden down at the altar when you go to pray and pick it back up before you leave, because you, you don't know how to do it. <laughs> Anybody felt that one before? You choose, number one, you choose to break your will. And number two, you choose to connect with his spirit. No, I've been feeling his spirit for years. Back as I can far as I can remember, man, the pres- I, I can tell you a long time ago, but I finally got to a place where he kept inviting me. I said, "All right, I'm stepping over the boat. I'm gonna walk out there with you." And I've done some sinking since then, and he's always caught me. He's always pulled me up. <laughs> Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Some of us need to go there because it's better to to be out there with Jesus in the storm and knowing he got you, even if you are drinking a little bit of water. Amen? I need to know he's in charge of the house. I need to know that I've relinquished the charge and that I don't have to be in charge no more by simply making two choices. I choose to give him my will And I choose to connect with his spirit until his spirit takes over and is in charge of my life. Now, the Old Testament had a plan. Had a plan. It was, you know, the gates of thanksgiving into the inner inner, to the outer court where the altar sacrifice, the brazen lather. That's the type of the flesh. But before you enter the gates, this is going to help some of us here today. You just don't know this. You don't know what you don't know. The presence of God will get you to the gate. The presence of God will draw you to the gate, but your sacrifice may not be just right to enter. So at the gate, the sacrifice is examined. And I'm there at the gate because of God's presence. And I want to go in. I want to go into the holies of holies. The veil's been taken away. The flesh has been torn. Ah, anybody can go. But to do this, attitude is everything. The gates of thanks, you've got to come in and thankful. And so you, you start with thanksgiving. And if the sacrifice is not right, you, you go in mumbling. You can't get through. Complaining. Man, I've had a rough day. The devil's been on my back. You know, but I made it. Made it to where? The gates. Ain't got through yet because I'm still praising God that I made it to the gates. I ain't never walked in. 
That happens all the time, ladies and gentlemen. But when you go through the gates with thanksgiving and the sacrifices, right, not because things have been fair, but because the presence of God mercifully led you to the gate. <laughs> and you begin to be thankful. <sighs> Those gates open and you can step in. And there's an altar of sacrifice where you lay your will down, your personal will, where all the enemy has placed lies. And you sacrifice that will <laughs> at the altar of sacrifice. And you move to the next experience, the brazen laver. And then it, you look into the brazen laver and you see your image. And the Lord's saying, that's who I am. That's your identity. And you, you're washed in the water in baptism in his name. Whew. I mean, we get in the flesh and the personal will where it belongs so we can enter in and start having communion in the Spirit. I'm pausing right there because it's important. If you ever get to that place, you, you, you will move into the holies of holies. Amen. Thanksgiving. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly. Well, this was intriguing to me because um, <laughs> Philip, he, uh, he's translated from one place where he's baptizing an Ethiopian eunuch in the desert place. All of a sudden, there's water in the desert. Here's water. What doth hinder thee? to take your attitude of gratitude, leave your will where it belongs, and go down in this water and take on the identity of who you really are. And so he baptizes that Ethiopian eunuch, and he's translated. Y'all get ready. If y'all want to be who God says you and you want to have fun, experience, take your experience, take your experience, and go. Come on. Take your experience and be which is what going is. He's translated to Samaria, and he preaches the good news. And everybody in Samaria received it. They were healed, and they were all baptized in the name of Jesus. This is very important. And before, you know, but yet none of them had been filled with the Spirit. They had felt the Spirit because the Spirit drew them all together. And Philip preached the good news. They repented, got the attitude right. The altar, altar sacrifice, they denied their will. Amen. They left all their ideas there. And then they were baptized in water in his name. But none of them had been filled with the Spirit yet. So they called for Peter and John. Peter's got to come. He got the keys. He's the spokesman of Pentecost. And when he gets there, they lay hands on them, and they receive the Spirit. Now, this is what's interesting, y'all. Simon the sorcerer heard the message of Philip, and he believed. Simon the sorcerer, y'all got to catch that, he was a man that was under the spell of manipulation and control. And we don't want to pick on Simon the sorcerer because that's daddy's boy too. Oh, that's the 
that's a boy of the devil. Oh, I, I hear you. No, daddy loved him too, and he was special to daddy. But he heard the good news, he repented, and he was also baptized. But when he saw that when Peter and John laid hands on the crowd and they were filled with the Spirit, he said, I want that too. And he goes to Peter and he says, I don't know what that costs you to have that, but I'm willing to buy it too. How much is it going to cost me? And Peter says to him, Simon, you're still entertaining lies in your life. And let's go back to the altar of sacrifice. And let's readdress this and pray that God will forgive you of a manipulating and controlling spirit that's holding you in jail. And I'm pretty sure Simon was quick to go, let's get this done. Ladies and gentlemen, the other day I was on my back fixing a refrigerator that's pretty new. And the Lord asked me, said, son, what are you doing down here? Son, what are you doing here? And uh, I said, well, I'm trying to be a good steward. I want to make sure we budget everything correctly because this is probably going to cost more if I, if I don't do it, so I'm going to fix it. And I'm up in it. I got it all got you, YouTube on, and I got it all broke down, and I'm doing my thing, trying to be a good steward. He said, he said, I think you're missing the point. Ladies and gentlemen, I was missing the point because several months ago, he checked me. He said, I need you to double check your commitment to me. So I went and looked at what I do and no, the numbers are correct. I'm a numbers guy, right? I can add. Oh no, numbers are correct. And I'm faithful in my tithe and his tithe and, and what he's given me. I'm faithful to the offering. And um, I'm sitting down on it. And he said, double check that. And I got, I got, I, I got that. I know something. I, don't, I can't explain it. But I know enough of that unction. I know daddy's voice. He ain't me. I said, but that manipulating and controlling spirit said, no, you're a numbers guy. You, everything's right. Anybody ever been there? And, and that spirit is manipulating me to think everything's good. And the spirit of God saying, I need you to double check. I went double check. I sat down. I was going, I'm going to show you, Jesus. I got the numbers right. And so after I got through checking, I found out I'm good with the tithe, but I hadn't lived up to my commitment to the temple offering. And uh, I was kind of embarrassed because I'm a numbers guy. And I was telling my wife when she come back from seeing our daughter what happened. And she's a numbers girl too. <laughs> she's like, no, we didn't. I said, yeah, we did. Is anybody tracking with me? The enemy likes to hold us captive in our logic, in our beta state of mind. And he likes us to play church there. But all the while, the unction inside of me was saying, go double check. Now, 
Logically, it wasn't a lot. It, was, it wasn't a big deal. But spiritually, yeah, the enemy had some of my heart. And the first thing I did when I saw that, I said, hmm, oh, yeah, correct that ASAP right now. And I could feel God's presence come just because instead of being in charge, I'm a numbers guy. I gave him charge. Look, he said, son, that refrigerator broke because that was on you, not on me. If, if you'll come out of Egypt and you'll worship, your clothes won't wear out. Your shoes won't wear out. If you'll worship. What's worship? Trust me. Just trust me. You don't own nothing. You're a steward. Quit acting like you own anything. When you start understanding who you are, anything you've got in your possession has an eternal blessing on it. I'm laying down there in that refrigerator, y'all, because I'm a numbers guy. And I'm beating myself up over the fact that, hey, what in the world? Okay. And so old man said, well, you're down here because of your hard head. Ladies and gentlemen, we got just enough time left, which is God's time. <laughs> Amen. This is the appointed time. This is the day of salvation. <laughs> to lay our will down. And embrace his. And I know our culture right now don't agree with anything I just said. But heaven's about to pick his babies up that become like sponges. They're teachable. <laughs> and all their lessons come by way of experience. You can't add it up. You can't figure it out. But that experience takes you into identity. Our Father, which art in heaven. Come on, the disciples, they knew that every time Jesus come out of prayer, which was fellowship with the Spirit, that he turned cities right side up. And they come to a conclusion. They said, Lord, we, we, we got this figured out. Every time you come out of prayer, miracles, it blows our mind. Would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus gives the prayer, but we still, and when I say we, I don't mean we're ignorant. It's just that guy in the mirror wants to figure out the prayer. You don't figure, it's like you don't, you don't figure out returning God his tithe, amen, and being obedient to the offer. So that the, he said, the window closed on you, son. <laughs> you had them open, but because of you, it got closed a little bit. I want the windows open, y'all. Got to have the windows open. And we're at a place right now where we need to enter into fellowship with God, our Father. Come on, when you start, when you start thinking about that prayer, it's not a ritual. It's an invitation for you to get an attitude check so you can be thank Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your... You become thankful for the fact that he gives you and me an opportunity to see his nature, his character, to know about him. D do any of us deserve to know about him? How great is your... And that's the name that he chooses to call you by. 
so that through you, you can be who he says you are. <sighs> the gates begin to open when we get thankful. Thy kingdom come. <sighs> Thy will be done. Come on, kingdom of God. You have access to your house right now so that your kingdom can flow into the earth. So everywhere that I, you lead me, I am who you say I am. The peace of God comes to the homes. The joy of the Lord comes into the homes. Come on. Amen. Righteousness is the identity of our daddy. He gave us righteousness not because we're good. He gives us righteousness because he's good. And when you catch that kingdom of God, you're saying, Spirit, come. Come to your house. Take over. Take charge. Be in control of me so that I can say, now, give me my bread from heaven. What's that bread that came down from heaven? Jesus says he's that bread. Come on. That is the utterance of the anointed one that's ready to spill out of you like rivers of living water. And when the rivers of living water, the bread from heaven that came down, is able to have access to his house, out of you will come creative words, empowerment, dominion, authority. Now I can forgive as I'm forgiven. It's not a problem to forgive. Forgive me, Lord, for all the tre what trespasses, all the lies I've been entertaining all the religious lies I've been hosting in my life. Forgive me as I forgive those who trespass against me, try to manipulate and control me. You're not going to forgive nobody apart from empowerment. You're not going to release anybody as the Lord would release them until you let him come to his house and take over. And feeling him is not enough. Being filled with him is everything. Lead me not into temptation, Lord. Well, why would Jesus lead anybody into temptation? Because we're hosting lies. You see, the enemy's already given his marching orders. He's given access. The enemy has been given access to anyone that hosts his manipulation and control. Therefore, temptation happens. Don't lead me to deliver me from evil. The Lord wants to do that. How does he do that? Ah, in the holies of holies. Amen. We've laid my will down and I've taken his will. And I have dominion over temptation. Yes, and, 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 and the end of the day comes. What am I doing at the end of the day? All power, all glory, all honor belongs to you, Daddy. You did it. And you invited me on the journey. And you've been inviting me for years and I wouldn't go. But today, I went... And at the end of the day, I lay down, and heaven's coming. I'm sleeping. Amen. Delta state of mind ain't got nothing on the kingdom of God's state of mind. Whew. I wake up, and it's joy in the morning because I'm going to go with Daddy again like a little child, teachable like a sponge. I don't know what you're going to do that I ain't missing. I'm hanging out with you, Daddy. <sighs> Who's in charge today? Amen. The enemy wants the windows of heaven closed on you. 
when the windows of heaven are closed, the devourer can come in and devour. And he's got all kind of fruit that validates he's evident. Does that make you less than important to God? No. You know what that means? You're going to get sick and tired of it. And then Jesus is going to have an opportunity to show you all the blessings that he's always had for you. All the miracles, this continual outflow of his spirit. Could we stand? I thank God for my brother Simon the sorcerer. Daddy trusted that boy. I thank God for Martha. Thank you, Martha, for going through what you went through so I'd get a revelation. With hope that I would walk in an experience with God that reveals who I am so I can be. Did you, does everybody know that where you're standing? <laughs> right where you're standing, you can draw a circle around yourself and say, Hey, Daddy, I ain't leaving. You come to your house because I might make the wrong step. I may go the right or wrong. I need you to come to your house and take over. Now, how are you going to do that right there where you stand? You can come up front if you want to do it. You're going to do it with an attitude of gratitude for his, his presence is all over you. You want that presence to get in you? <laughs> you really? You really want to get in you? Because he's not going to force himself in. He's going to ask you to trust him with that most unruly member but that's been taught to say things it shouldn't say and believe lies it shouldn't lie. It shouldn't believe. That most unruly member needs you to take your will to the altar of sacrifice and lay it down and quit trying to figure out how God's going to be king of his kingdom in you. And you know how that happens? Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. It's amazing how it causes this. this oh, but you feel it right here. Oh. It don't stop it. It gets right up into here. Next thing, your tongue's trying to tell you, nope. <laughs> That's your brain telling your tongue, don't go there. You start saying what daddy's saying. And when you start letting that most unruly member yield to the innermost being, that state of mind, all of a sudden, freedom. All of a sudden, experience. Boldness. I know that I know that I know. Some of you are going there right now. Thank you, Father. You've given us a word from your place of abode. And this is pushing back on a world that you're in love with. The influence of manipulation and controlling spirit in our world right now. This message wins. It's too hot for the enemy to handle. And you're too powerful, if you trust the Lord with it, to be worried and fretful and fearful about anything going on in our world. The kingdom is yours. Receive it. 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 Somebody's believing this right now. The kingdom is yours. Receive it. 
You're a kingdom's kid. You're a child of the Most High. You're the apple of His eye. You're His treasure. You're His passion. You're everything to Him. He gave everything to purchase you. But He will not dominate you. And He will not lord over you unless you trust Him with the love that He's already been pulling you with right now. All right, we're kids. Let's let's, let's start. Daddy, take me. Some of you need to come up front and do that. If the Lord's prompted you to come forward, do it. And say, Daddy, pick me up. I'm ready. Here I am. Take me. You and Daddy now. Your daddy's a king. And you're royalty. And that blood is all over you.